everyone, and welcome back to the Watchdogs Bark. My name is Drew. I am your host, and I consider myself a watchdog. This is episode 55. You want to know how to thrive? Listen to episode 55. <laughs> I know, it's childish, but I'm going with it because I really have fun doing it. Okay, bye. All right, in this episode... I'm going to basically name it the God Complex, not just for surgeons anymore. And we are witnessing a true rise of evil. And they kind of go together, and I'll explain why. For those of you who don't know the first reference, many surgeons, after they have saved the lives of many patients, start to develop what's called a God Complex, believing that they are like God. And what they don't realize is those talents that they have to save people's lives and to perform really good surgeries is a talent given to them by God. But they are not God. Well, I'm here to tell you, I believe the left has a little bit of a God complex right now. They believe that they are just as powerful and just as knowledgeable as God. And they also want you to believe that God is fallible and makes mistakes. And I don't know if you guys understand this or not, but if it's true that God makes mistakes, he would cease to be God. The title of God, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, all-knowledgeable, all-perfect. Does a perfect being make mistakes? No. That is a negatory on that one. But the left thinks that they know more than God. And I'm going to give you some examples, all right? Climate change, the open border, mRNA vaccines, seeding clouds, teachers telling young children that they can change their sex. All of this shows that there are some on this earth that believe they are smarter than God and believe they can make wiser decisions than God and believe they can improve on that which God hath created. Hmm, something to think about, right? All right, let's take these one by one. Climate change. Why do I say that those who believe in climate change have a God complex? You see, God created this planet and millions of others. I mean, if you go by the scriptures, worlds without number hath I created, and then we were all created in God's image. So like I said in another podcast, I believe that if there were people from other planets here on this planet, we would not know because they look just like us. And me and a friend basically believe that, yes, there are uh, extraterrestrials. There are people from other planets visiting ours. But we believe probably it's to prevent us from killing ourselves because they've seen Evidence in the past of other planets who get to the point where they're so divided that they want to destroy each other. And sadly, one side succeeds. But let's go back to climate change. Okay, climate change fanatics believe that they, by controlling our emissions, can save the planet. <laughs> save the planet. Think about that. Save this ginormous ball in the middle of space 
that God created with an atmosphere, with an ozone layer, with storms, with seas, with everything that is necessary for the planet to maintain itself, clean its atmosphere constantly, and maintain life on the planet. The planet has existed for 4.3 billion years. And as I pointed out in another podcast, over the last 10,000 years is what we've measured through ice core drilling in the poles to find out what the temperature was like, you know, thousands of years ago. Because, again, if you listen to the left's language, they say this is the, re- the, the warmest summer that we've had in recorded history. Recorded being the operative word. Recorded history is 40 years. We've only been recording Earth's surface temperatures since 1979. So to go back before that, you have to go to the ice cores and other like fossils. You have to, you know, find out all kinds of different things by digging into the earth to see the age. Kind of like lines in a tree. When you drill into a tree, you can see the lines of how old that tree is. Same thing, when you drill into the earth, you can find out all kinds of things. And through these ice core samples, we know over the last 10,000 years, there have been five to seven spikes in surface temperature more than three degrees Celsius. And for those of you who don't know, three degrees Celsius is about equal to 35 to 37 degrees Fahrenheit. So five to seven different times over the last 10,000 years, the earth's surface temperature has gotten over 30 degrees hotter than it is right now. So we are not even close to a place where we're in danger of destroying this planet. Not even close. But the ones that are screaming that saying the planet is going to end if we don't all go to electric and renewables and green, green, green. If we don't do that, the earth is going to die. We're going to destroy it. Let me tell you how resilient the earth really is. Okay? Again, invented 4.3 billion years ago. Okay? Many disasters have happened all over the world and nothing has happened to the world itself, to the planet itself. We could literally destroy all, well, we wouldn't be able to destroy all of humanity. Okay? Because let me, let me lay some other facts on you. The living population on the earth occupies less than 2% of the surface area, total surface area, and less than 1% of the land surface area. So climate fanatics want you to believe that people that are occupying less than 1% of the total planet land mass, okay, we'll just do that, or 2% of the entire surface area of the planet. Those people in that one little sliver of the earth can destroy it? Are you kidding me? And again, okay, let me give you the extreme example. Every single military gets an alert that there is pending nuclear war and every single nuclear warhead is launched, period, all over the entire planet. Okay, all of Russia's, all of China's, all of America's, all of Egypt or um, uh, Israel's, all of Australia's, all of the different planets that have nuclear weapons. Okay, and even some of the ones that don't, we don't know have them, they'll launch them secretly. Psst, you know, push that button. So every nuclear bomb goes off 
all over the planet, spread out evenly, there would still be occupants of the earth that would survive. Probably some of the rich people that buy these multi-million dollar bomb shelters, but also other people on the planet that aren't in populated areas. The, the rare tribes in the jungles and stuff wouldn't be affected. And then after a very short period of time, Earth's time, by the way, about 10,000 years, everything starts to grow again. Everything starts to flourish again and the planet renews itself. But the climate change fanatics want you to believe that if we don't stop the Earth's temperature from rising 1.5 degrees more Celsius, that it's going to burn up. And not only do they want you to believe that, they're teaching children to be afraid. They're raising children in fear because they have a God complex. They think they're smarter than God. They think they can improve on that which God created. Is this amazing planet the perfect distance from the sun to sustain life with a protective atmosphere to burn up any large objects that come at us of a certain point, to constantly clean the air with storms and seasons and freezing temperatures and hot temperatures and sandstorms. And remember, the IPCC, the International Panel on Climate Change, back in 2010 admitted that 80% of the atmosphere gets sent out to space. So there's very little greenhouse effect. That it's, it's, it's one twentieth of what they thought it was. Funny, huh? One twentieth. They were only off by 80%, would they say? Yeah. That's uh, humans making mistakes. God doesn't make mistakes. This planet was created perfectly. It was created to replenish, to sustain, and to enrich all of the occupants on it, both animals and humans. And every animal, every insect, every plant, every human, all have a purpose and all have a food chain order, basically. And humans are the top of the food chain for a reason. Everything that, was, that is on this planet is for our use. There is also an abundance of fossil fuels that were provided by this earth through the plate tectonic shifting, through volcanoes, through all kinds of different things that happen in our atmosphere and on the earth's surface temperature to constantly recreate and replenish itself. Think about it. And also think about this. Do you think that those who are claiming to try and save the planet are doing it for charitable or magnanimous reasons? No, they're doing it for control, for power. They know how undependable these forms of power are and that they're not abundant enough to sustain life at normal levels. They know that there are going to be blackouts and brownouts and all kinds of issues with not having a big enough electrical grid to handle the massive increase in demand. They know all this. Why are they still pushing it? They want all of us to get used to having less, to get used to having blackouts and brownouts every now and then. They want this actual conversation to happen. Oh, we're in another blackout. 
Well, yeah, it's normal now. Whatever. We got to get used to it. That's what they want. They want that for everyone else so they can continue living the life that they have gotten accustomed to in their jets and their yachts and their mansions, all running on fossil fuels. They want fossil fuels to be an elitist commodity, only allowed for the elite to consume. Think about that one for a while. All right, the second one is the open border. Yes, I do believe those that are trying to fundamentally transform the United States of America. Do you remember when Barack Obama said that? Listen. We are five days away from fundamentally transforming the United States of America. So what did he intend to transform the United States into? Well, the reason why they're teaching children that America is racist and the Constitution was written to preserve slavery and that the American flag is even racist now. The reason why they're doing this is that the fundamental transformation is they want a generation not willing to defend the United States of America against our enemies because they don't believe we deserve to be saved. That is the fundamental transformation. Also, the open border is guaranteeing that millions of new Democratic voters are coming into our country. And who is this hurting the most, by the way? And the reason why I say this is we see an uprising in the disdain and disagreement with legal migrants that have come across and are really not happy with the fact that people that are illegally coming across basically jumped in line and cut in line in front of everyone else thinking they deserve the same treatment. They're getting the treatment, the same treatment that people that stayed in their countries, applied the right ways through the right channels, and came into this country after, what, eight years, maybe 10 years, and they are finally given citizenship in this country. The reason why the Democrats are screaming and yelling that they want amnesty for all these illegal immigrants is they want voters. That is what they are talking about with fundamentally transforming the United States of America. Democrats want to transform this country into a democratic-controlled country. Whenever they say they're defending democracy and something is a threat to democracy, what they mean and what they have always meaned is democratic control, total democratic control of all three branches of government. That's why they want to pack the Supreme Court to take that judicial branch away so they can have full control of the judicial branch. That's why they want to add D.C. and Puerto Rico to states so that they can have more senators in there to democratically control the legislative branch. And then they rig elections and change election laws and make it way more difficult for Republicans to win elections now. Why? Because Democrats want control of the executive branch. They want control, total control 
of all three branches of government. That is what the Democrats are talking about when they are saying democracy. They want this country to be a democratic controlled country. And this is far and away different than the constitutional republic our founding fathers, I believe, were divinely inspired to create. Again, the left is playing God. The left has a God complex. And I fully believe with all of my heart, if Democrats win again in the 2024 election, especially if it's Joe Biden again, the puppet, he is only a puppet. Everybody has to see that. He is not running this country. It is a group telling him what to do and writing the teleprompters that he reads off of. But if Democrats win again in 2024, that is the end of our republic. And they will get their wish. We will become a democracy, a full democracy. And for people that don't understand, a democracy is a majority plus one. That means 51 votes can decide everything for this country. 51. That is just the simple majority. That is what the Democrats want. They do not want a representative republic where each state is equally represented in our government. They want total Democrat control. And that means, ladies and gentlemen, listening to this podcast, that 51%, that's all they need, 51% of the government can create laws that 49% of us will have to live by, whether we like it or not. That is their idea of democracy. Another example of people who have the God complex is those who have financed Bill Gates, George Soros, all the other billionaires that have financed and created the mRNA vaccine. We now know that the spike protein in the mRNA vaccine embeds itself in the nucleus of cells and changes the DNA makeup of that individual. Changes it to what? I don't know completely, but we do know that this weakens the immune system. Why do we know this? Well, it's kind of obvious, isn't it? The people that have had the vaccine and multiple boosters are getting COVID. And they're talking about it. I can't believe I got vaccine and I got COVID again. I got the vaccine and I got COVID again. That is all over the airwaves. People being interviewed. I can't believe it. I got the vaccine. I got the booster and I got COVID again. Guess what? Those of us who aren't going to get the vaccine haven't gotten COVID. I wonder why. Huh? Also, those who have invented and pushed this vaccine on everyone, CDC, Fauci, WHO, etc. If you ask them, why is it okay that everyone's getting COVID? Why, why is everyone that's getting the vaccine getting COVID? And is that okay? And they will tell you, well, maybe that's true, but less people are dying from COVID now, so it was worth it. Really? I don't think that's true. I think that the Immunity, mass immunity has happened with enough people getting COVID that that is why COVID is no longer deadly and dangerous. Because with vaccines, the, vac the uh, virus has a tendency to mutate to avoid 
vaccines. But when someone gets the virus and overcomes the virus and has a strong immune system against that virus, and then that immunity spreads widely throughout the population, that's when the viral deadliness and the power of the virus ends. That's when viruses go away, is when enough people are immune with natural immunity, not with the shot. That is how it's always been throughout medical history. And yet there are people today that will still argue until they're blue in the face that if you are vaccinated, you are better protected against COVID than if you got COVID and have natural immunity. The people that are spouting this are lying to you, and they're doing it for a reason, for control, for power. They have developed a God complex. And I think Anthony Fauci is exhibit A. He got so used to the power and control he had over almost the entire world. People almost see him as a deity as far as COVID. And what they don't know, and they need to go back and research Anthony Fauci in the past, he is responsible for the fact that millions of people died of AIDS because he withheld critical information when they had finally separated the molecules and understood what AIDS really was. He held that information from drug companies until they could cut him in on the deal. Anthony Fauci has gotten very rich over putting himself between the cure and money from the drug companies developing the cure. Think about that. That is a prime example of the God complex. Now, before I get to what I believe is the most sinister group of people that are plagued with the God complex, I want to talk a little bit about more about the medical profession and what's happening in labs. They are now able to grow fetuses in a lab without a sperm or an egg using stem cells. And they are also taking DNA and altering DNA in order to prevent diseases and prevent things. Now, there's some good that can come from that, definitely. But when you're playing God and actually changing people's DNA at the very nucleus, at the core of the DNA, you are playing God. That is another example of the God complex. And I'm going to be talking more about this in the future as I do more research. But right now, I'm a little disturbed that a lot of things are being grown in the lab that happen naturally, but these are not happening naturally. They're being grown artificially in a lab. And I am immediately skeptical and want more evidence and studies done on stuff like this. And they are actually talking about AI producing artificial wombs. So children can be grown in artificial wombs in labs. To me, this is a very dangerous slippery slope where we're, where we're playing God in our science labs. We are, we are trying to improve what God hath created. And remember again, 
God is perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. All right, and now to the one that I believe is the most sinister and evil among them all. Teachers, counselors, and medical professionals playing God with children. They are telling children as young as five, six, and seven that doctors and nurses and their parents randomly chose their sex when they were born. But that may not be their sex for real. They're telling children that they can choose their sex. And they don't have to tell their parents about it because their parents won't understand or be as compassionate and understanding as the government and education system will. I recently read an interview with a Dr. Miriam Grossman, a child and adolescent psychiatrist and board-certified medical professional. And she was, she's written two books. One is called You're Teaching My Child What? A Physician Exposes the Lies of Sex Education and How They Harm Your Child. And number two, her, her most recent one that just came out, Lost in Trans Nation, A Child Psychiatrist's Guide Out of the Madness. She's also now the senior fellow at the Do No Harm Medicine. And for those of you who don't know what that is, that is the Hippocratic Oath all doctors take when they become doctors. Do no harm. And many of them are abusing and neglecting that oath that they made to do no harm. Because I promise you this, some of these children that are making these transitions are being harmed for life. And I hear a lot of people saying, well, if a parent doesn't immediately affirm their child's new identity, they have a very high risk for suicide. And that is false. Do you know where the highest risk of suicide is, period, with no competition, no one even close, is those children who have transformed and later regret that transformation and can now not ever go back to what they were. To the women having double mastectomies at 14, later on in their life when they decide, oh man, I made a horrible mistake, I want to go back and be a woman, they'll never be able to breastfeed. They'll never be able to provide that perfect nutrition from breast milk for babies. And with the puberty blockers and testosterone hormones they've taken, they won't be able to conceive. They'll be sterile. The same thing happens with young boys who have their penis cut off and they take estrogen. All of these puberty blockers and hormones given to people that don't need them for actual medical diagnoses of gender dysphoria or early onset uh, puberty, all these things that these medicines were designed for, when they're used to be just puberty blockers to allow a child more time to decide what sex they want to be, those puberty blockers and hormones make that boy sterile. They will no longer be able to conceive. So it is my belief that the people that are pushing this ideology are eugenists. And they believe this is a really sneaky way that 
no one will seriously catch on to of reducing the population. Now, one of the reasons why Dr. Grossman wrote the book, You're Teaching My Child What?, is because they were teaching children at the college level and some at the end of of the uh, grade school level about sex education, but they weren't teaching children the dangers of having sex outside of marriage and having multiple sex partners. They weren't teaching them that when someone gets herpes or genital warts, these are diseases that cause viruses that are incurable. Once you have been diagnosed with genital warts or the human papillomavirus or herpes virus, you have that for life. And what she was observing is in the education system, they were not teaching good things about sex education, as in abstinence, and it, it is basically for procreation and intimacy between a partner, two partners that love each other for whole, their whole life. But with multiple sex partners, they were actually teaching in school that sex is almost like a sport and fun and that you should do it just to have fun. And don't worry about all of the dangers that can happen. Oh, don't worry. If you get pregnant, we can get an abortion. You can take the, the, the plan B pill. No problem. You know, and they didn't tell these young women, especially the young women, that once you get herpes or genital warts, you have them for life. They can be treated, but they can never be cured. That was one of the reasons why she wrote the first book. She also observed that this sex education was being taught in health class, saying that random sex partners and and lots of sex is healthy and promoting sexual freedom and all sorts of risky behaviors. That was what she was against. Now, in her new book, The Lost in Transnation, and of course, that is a play on the words lost in translation, but this book talks about how transgenderism is actually a social contagion. And she brings up an example. If your child ends up in a friend group, either on school, in our neighborhood, or online, and there are one or more kids in that group who identify as transgender, non-binary, or one of these other made-up words, there's a much greater chance of your child identifying as the same. And no family is immune. The reason why this is happening, it's peer pressure. And then these children who may be going through trauma, you know, of abuse or different things like that, and they go online and they see all these people that are transitioning and how happy they are and how they don't have to worry about, you know, the way they felt anymore because they're talking about on social media how great they feel and how what a great experience it's been transitioning and and how happy they are in their new identity. Well, I don't know if you know this or not, but if you go online, there are very few long-term transgender individuals online still posting about their transition because, number one, it's a brand new theory and brand new practice. But also, there are a large number of people that the medical profession and the teachers unions and 
they don't want you to know this, but there is a large number of people detransitioning or trying to detransition. And like I said, the highest percentage of suicides happens in this group because they realize they made a horrible mistake and they listen to adults who didn't know what the hell they were talking about or they knew what they were talking about and were purposefully trying to ruin this child's life. And then she goes on to comment that these children are being indoctrinated. And she uses the word indoctrinated because this gender ideology is pushed 24-7 over everything, over the media, over social media, everywhere you go, this ideology is being pushed on people. And kids all desperately want to be someone. They want to belong to a community. They want to be accepted. That's what kids always strive for. And they turn to adults to try and get and understand how they can be accepted and how they can move forward in life and be successful. And their parents and their peers and their teachers and their administrators will all be proud of them. That's what they want. And some of these teachers and administrators and medical professionals are telling them the way that they can get that acceptance is to change their sex. As I told you one time before, I was having a discussion with someone who was a little argumentative towards me and said, well, what's the big deal? It's only 1.4% of our population that is identifying as LGBTQ or, or trans or anything like that. Guess what? Natural gender dysphoria only occurs in 0.005% of the population. So when someone says, what's the big deal? It's only 1.4%. That is a 1,000% increase. That is why it bothers me. Also, here's another thing that Dr. Grossman points out. Gender dysphoria manifest, manifests itself very early in life and is 90 plus percent of the time just a phase that a child goes through in their development. It works itself out. And the people that are now identifying as transgender as teenagers or young adults, that does not occur naturally at all. So think about that for a second. Never before in history has gender dysphoria manifested later on in life, in teenage and early young adults. It's mostly been in young children. So you see all these people that are teenagers and young adults suddenly identifying as transgender. That's not happening naturally. So I believe Dr. Grossman is exactly right. It is a social contagion. And I believe it was introduced on purpose. Again, going back to Yuri Bezmenov talking about the multi-generational plan to demoralize, desensitize, sexualize, and destroy the United States of America. This is one of the steps. Demoralization. What you do when you demoralize someone is you make it impossible for them to know right from wrong anymore. And most of our nation has been demoralized. They can no longer recognize what is true and what is not. 
And when the media, social media, parents, you know, ill-informed parents and teachers and administrators and medical professionals are bombarding children 24-7 with this transgender ideology, that is demoralizing children to where they will not be able to recognize what is true and what is not until their brains are fully developed at about age 25, by the way, until their brains are fully developed at age 25 and later, that's when they're going to start realizing something is wrong. And let me tell you this, all of you administrators and educators and medical professionals that think they're doing good for this child and they're, they're playing God. They have the God complex. They think they know more than God does. And they think that God made mistakes with these children. And they're teaching these children that they are a mistake. And that if they don't change their gender, that they're not living their true life or being their true selves. I promise you, hopefully in this life, it will catch up to you and you'll have to pay a price. But if it doesn't in this life, I promise you with 100% certainty, it will catch up to you in the next. You will have to answer for why you treated children this way. And you remember in the scriptures, it says, suffer the children to come unto me. Don't prevent children from coming to me to worship. That's what that is, that expression saying. There's also another expression, and I think I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. When they're talking in the scriptures about how the people that abuse children are treated, it basically says, it is better for a millstone be, to be tied around your neck and you thrown into the depths of the ocean than you abuse God's children. And that is what is going to happen to all the sex traffickers and pedophiles that are abusing children that way. And that is what is going to happen to all the teachers, administrators, and medical professionals indoctrinating and brainwashing children into permanently changing their bodies and making it impossible for them to procreate the rest of their lives. That, my friends, everyone will have to answer for. In this interview, Dr. Grossman gives advice to parents of what they can do to inoculate their children from this kind of indoctrination. And that is to confirm the sex that those children were born and constantly remind them that they were born correctly, that, that God doesn't make mistakes, that you are supposed to be a boy and you are going to grow up to be a great man. You are going to grow up to be a good doctor or a lawyer or an astronaut or an actor or whatever you want. Whatever the child wants, but make sure you are affirming their birth sex all the time, as much as possible. I heard from a friend and a listener of mine that she, her three-year-old told her that, she, that he wanted to be a mommy someday. And thank goodness she said, well, honey, you can't be a mommy because you're a boy, but you can be a daddy. And that was the end of that discussion. That child goes, oh, okay, that's literally it. That's all it takes to influence these children. Imagine if this mother and the, the, the son would have come to her and said, I want to be a mommy. That 
mother decided, oh, okay, well, let's go buy you dresses and I'll go buy you dolls. And what do you want to be called by a different name? I mean, your name is, is a masculine name, but we can find a feminine name for you. Can you imagine the rest of the life of that child? They're raised as a girl. And when that, when that child turned a teenager, they did all the sex reassignment surgeries. I have noticed in my viewing of people I know that are transgender and or, or non-binary or whatever, I've noticed that since they quote unquote came out, that's all they talk about on social media. That's all they talk about. That is their whole being now, their identity. And it makes me really sad. I see all their posts about how happy they are in their new identity. And finally, they get to live their true, be their true selves and live their true. I, I just shake my head and think, sadly, that's all you're going to focus on the rest of your life. Why? Because it's unnatural. And because you've been brainwashed into thinking that is your real identity. Even those who are diagnosed with gender dysphoria, that is not your true identity. Your true identity is what you were born as. If you have mental issues and trying to deal with this and are experiencing pressure from friends and family and doctors and teachers to transition, seek mental help. Go talk to psychiatrists and therapists and understand why you're feeling this way. It may be buried, deeply buried trauma that happened to you when you were a child. It may be something completely different, and it may, as Dr. Grossman points out, be a social contagion. We need to stop this social contagion because the eugenists that want us want to use this to reduce the population, it's becoming very successful. Birth rates are dropping all over the world, and especially here in the United States. And I believe that can all be traced back to the time when we started teaching children that when they were born, their doctors and parents guessed at what sex they were. It wasn't the equipment they were born with. No, they guessed what their sex was. Because sex and gender is really a social construct. And that goes against thousands and thousands of years of medical, professional journals, studies, and facts. So parents, once again, please inoculate your children from being indoctrinated. Confirm how they were born, talk about what their life is going to be as a man or a woman, tell them they were not a mistake. Tell them that they, their sex and gender was chosen by God. Tell them this stuff and prevent them from being influenced by the evil that has pervaded our education and medical systems. All right, I got quite caught up in that one. And I, and I think you can understand why. I think you can understand that I've got quite a bit of passion for this because I'm watching this and I, I see pure evil. I, I see 
I don't see compassion. I see people confused that they think they're being compassionate, but in reality, they're not being compassionate. They're doing evil. They're doing the devil's work, in my opinion. And again, you may agree or disagree with my opinion, and if you do, don't hesitate to write me, drew at thewatchdogsbark.com. Oh, and before I go to the very last thing, and of course I have to comment on what's going on in Israel, but before I do that, I normally do a little commercial, so I'll just do it really quickly. If you want to know about these amazing products, the new skin products that I take, the Life Pack Nano, the face mask, and the AP24 whitening toothpaste, along with hundreds of other amazing products, go to my business website that I created for listeners of the Watchdogs Bark. It's twdbark.mynewskin.com. All right. Now, what is really behind this attack in Israel? And I, I did say something last week, and I want to clarify something. Someone pointed out to me that I was saying that it was Rebecca that chose Jacob over Esau to get the birthright. And that's not that's basically the view of the Palestinians. I wanted to look at things through both both points of view, so I've read lots of information about both. And what I read from the Palestinian point of view is they believe that Rebecca favored Jacob over Esau and that she did that deceptive to prevent Esau from getting the birthright. And in the Christian point of view, basically Rebecca foresaw that Jacob was going to bring the 12 houses of Israel and that he was supposed to receive the birthright. That is how the Christians look at it. And that she was doing what basically God told her to do. And so there's, like I said, different points of view on this. And But it all goes back to Jacob and Esau. Uh, the story of Rebecca, you know, pasting wool hair on the arm of Jacob because he was fair, uh, fair-skinned and, and light-haired. And Esau was uh, olive-skinned and had thick hair all over his body. And if you read the scriptures, you'll find out in Genesis that Rebecca went to the Lord to find out what was going on because she, you know, it seemed like there was unrest in her belly, <laughs> basically. And what he said, that there are two nations in thy womb and that two manner of people shall be separated by thy bowels and one people shall be stronger than the other. The elder shall serve the younger. Now, later we learn that Jacob offered Esau a bowl of stew in exchange for the birthright, and that Esau agreed. Now, I don't know if that's 100% true, but that's what this, how the story goes on. It also talks about how Jacob was the one that deceived his father with Rebekah's help. Rebekah wasn't the one that actually decided who should get the birthright. She helped Jacob in this deception because he wanted to do it himself. Now, later on, Jacob and Esau made up for a while, and then they went their separate ways. And now we have those two separate tribes. We have the Palestine, the Palestinians, all are descendants of Esau, and the Israelites basically uh, are all descendants of Jacob. 
And so, uh, you know, we know later on that Abraham became Isaac. I think he was Isaac before this happened. And then later on was actually renamed Israel uh, because he wrestled with an angel of God and got that title and became the father of Israel. So that's where this all goes back to, is this disagreement between two twin brothers, paternal twin, twin brothers, that uh, were both born from Rebekah and Isaac at the time. And that feud has been passed on for generations. Don't you think it's time to stop? Honestly. And I've said this in many of my podcasts, and I'm going to continue saying it until it gets through people's heads. Stop passing your hatred onto your children. Period. I've seen protests recently that happened in London and in Australia and all these places where parents are holding their children up and their children are repeating the same hateful rhetoric as their parents. Their parents taught them to hate, taught them that Jews, or if they're Jews, Palestinians, taught them that the other side is less than them. That is the problem. That is the basic point of the problem. Parents teaching their children to hate. Parents passing on their prejudices to their children. Until this stops, this will only continue to get worse. Now, what happened in Israel was the most heinous, horrific thing I've ever seen in my life. And I hear people the Palestinians justifying that this justifies the occupation of Israel over the thousands of years that that is really supposed to be Palestine. Palestine does not have a state. They never have. Israel was established for one small piece of land to allow Jews to live in peace. And if you go visit Israel, by the way, and I would encourage Palestinians to do this. I read a story about a guy who was raised to hate Israelites and was raised to, to believe that Israel was the cause of all this conflict and they were the real enemy and they were the real evil. And he read a book by Professor Alan Dershowitz called The Case for Israel. And it talked about how this was really Palestinian occupation happening, and Palestinian leaders were really mistreating their own people, and it wasn't Israel. And it got this guy so mad that he wanted to prove Alan Dershowitz wrong, so he booked a flight to Israel, and that changed everything. He saw that in Israel, Israelis and Palestinians were living in complete peace together, that Israel has a true desire to live in peace with all of its neighbors. They don't want to conquer anything. Israel has never tried to conquer anything. They even gave up the Gaza Strip as a concession in 1967 to try and show compassion to the Palestinians, giving them a little bit more of what they wanted. Now, I believe the Gaza Strip's going to be leveled. And sadly, I believe it's necessary. I hope that Palestinian, uh, innocent Palestinians and civilian casualties are kept to a minimum. And I know Israel will do that. Palestine does not. 
Hamas. Well, I shouldn't say Palestine. There are peaceful Palestinians. I personally have friends that are peaceful Palestinians. And I told you about my experience with having uh, next door neighbors with Iranians when I lived, when I was married, and how cool they are. They're awesome people. And they love America. And they want the Western, uh, you know, comforts and ideologies. But it's the mullahs and the religious zealots in their country that are holding them back from getting all of that. And yes, I do believe Iran is behind these attacks. Hamas doesn't do anything. Hezbollah and Hamas don't do anything without the support of Iran and without the instructions of Iran. So this whole thing came from Iran. And isn't it a funny coincidence that after Joe Biden released $6 billion of money that was being held because of tariffs put on Iran by Donald Trump to try and prevent them from developing nuclear weapons and having the money to do that. Just right after that $6 billion was released, Hamas attacked Iran with 5,000 rockets on their opening salvo. Isn't it interesting, the timing? And of course, they'll all say, no, 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 those $6 billion, there's, there's nothing happening. You know, that, that not a penny of that has been touched yet from the bank in South Korea and, and the Qatari uh, banks who are, are having the, um, to oversee the transfer of that money. None of that money has been moved, but it changes people's beliefs and feelings about their money when they know a large sum of money is coming to them guaranteed. They will spend what they have right then, knowing that money will be replaced. And that is what's happened in Israel. And to my Palestinian friends, and I know I have some, and I, I believe there's Palestinians that actually listen to this podcast. If you support Hamas and their decapitating babies, raping women and children, burning bodies alive, stabbing people in public, and leaving them to die in the, and bleed to death in the streets, if you believe all of, this, all of this is justified, you're wrong. You're dead wrong. There is no justification for terror. As a matter of fact, you are committing the unforgivable sin. And most people think the unforgivable sin is murder. And that is almost the most unforgivable sin. The most unforgivable sin you can commit is committing heinous crimes and killing other children of God in his name. If you are yelling Allahu Akbar and you're stabbing someone to death, that is a heinous crime. That is an unforgivable crime. And if your God, you, if you actually think that your God is pleased with you, for committing heinous crimes against other people on this planet in his name, I'm afraid you're going to have a very rude awakening on the other side. If you are doing heinous crimes, mostly that result in the death of other people on this planet, that is unforgivable sins you're committing in your God's name. But the problem is what happened in Israel, the world noticed what's happening. And the world, the majority, is behind Israel in their retaliation. Now, I know there's giant crowds of Palestinians saying that Hamas was 
justified in doing what they were doing because Israel has occupied for years and years. That's not true. And again, my Palestinian friends, and I know there are many peaceful Palestinians that do not want this. They want to live in peace as well. Speak up and question and try and do everything you can to remove these radical, tyrannical leaders of yours that are causing worldwide grief to bring about what they want to happen. Sadly, we have leaders of our government that support Palestine over Israel. Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib has been marching in the Palestinian marches and blames Israel for all of this, said all of this is Israel's fault. And also, if you look at her office, outside her office door, fly three flags. One flag is the state of Michigan, whom she represents. The next flag is the pride flag, the LGBTQIA+, minus, apostrophe, exclamation point, question mark, ever, the ever-expanding acronym, and the Palestinian flag. In front of her office flies no American flag. So who is she representing? Who does she really represent as the representative of her district in Michigan, Dearborn, Michigan? And I know there are a lot of Palestinians in her district, but she is representing the United States of America, and she doesn't even fly an American flag outside of her office? Shame on you. And as I always like to do, I want to end on a positive note, and you'll understand why this is the positive note I chose. I'm kind of in lion mode right now. And there's an awesome motivational speech by Ray Lewis talking about the lion mode and how if you want to accomplish everything, you got to get into the lion mode, which is about attitude. You know, he talks about how lions aren't the biggest or the fastest or the smartest, but they're the ones with the strongest attitude. That's why they're the kings of the jungle. Listen to this. If the lion is the king of the jungle... How can he be the king of the jungle? If he's not the biggest, the elephant is probably one of the biggest. He can't be the fastest because that's a cheater. He can't be the smartest. So he's not the biggest, the fastest, or the smartest. So how does a lion become the king of the jungle? His mentality. That's the only difference of a lion and an elephant. When a lion walks up and sees an elephant, he thinks lunch. An elephant thinks run. And it's all mentality. Because when a male lion walks up, he may be outnumbered by a pack of hyenas. But I'm king of my jungle because of my mentality. What happens when you're a gazelle and you're not being pushed? You're not being prodded. You're not giving it a reward. Nobody's encouraging you. What happens when you're a gazelle and the lion's not chasing you anymore? You stop running. But what happens when you're a lion? When you're a lion, it does not make a difference. You realize that if your family is going to eat, that if that pack of lions is to survive, then you gotta go hunt. A part of being a beast just ain't eating a gazelle. A part of being a beast is to hunt. 
It's the hunt that they're excited about. They like to see the gazelles run. Then boom, they take off. Because real lions like to hunt. They love the process just as much as they love the prize. And some of y'all just want to score. You don't like the process. You're not in love with the process. A true hunter's goal is not the prize. A true hunter's goal is to hunt. That's what they live for. They live to hunt. They don't just live to catch it. It's the whole process. When you are a true hunter, you don't go by time. You go by the gazelle. When you are a true hunter, you hunt until you get a gazelle, and you don't stop until you get one. And then you get another, and then you get another, and you get another. If you're going to do what you say you're going to do, be what you say you're going to be, you're going to have to lie me out. You a gazelle, you will come up short. You a gazelle, you will have an average experience. You a student, I need you in lion mode. You an entrepreneur, I need you in lion mode. You try to lose weight, lion mode. You can't do nothing significant in gazelle mode, nothing. Nothing impressive happens in gazelle mode. Nothing happens in run mode, give up mode, quit mode, scared mode, fearful mode, nothing happens. Everything happened in lion mode like I'm coming to get you. All I can really say after that is boom. Exactly. If you want to accomplish anything, you have to be ruthless. You have to be willing to never give up. Lion mode. That is where you will do everything necessary to accomplish your goals. That is where the growth and success and happiness will come from. It won't come in gazelle mode when you're running and afraid of what others might think. Get past that. Get into lion mode. And I'm telling this to everyone right now, parents and legislators, everything. It's time for us to get into lion mode. We've been in gazelle or prey mode far too long. And with that, that brings us to the end of another episode of The Watch Dogs Bark. If you agree or disagree with anything I've said or have any comments about this podcast, don't hesitate to write me, Drew, at thewatchdogsbark.com. And until next time, create an amazing day and please help me relay the bark. <laughs>